Hey folks, this week we've got Connor Cunningham on the show. He won the BFL All-American back in June. Blew the tournament out, it was really impressive. And I've only just now got around to getting him on the show. Not ideal, but it was a really good interview. You're going to learn a lot about a plopper uh, in it, and probably a little bit about Hamilton, the Ozarks, stuff like that, uh, and some about Connor. Um, so we had a good time. Uh, going on this weekend slash next week, there's the Bass Pro Tour event at uh, Malax. Then at the end of next week, we've got the Toyota Series event on Truman, which actually we get into a little bit of a preview with uh, Connor on. So that's a nice extra little tidbit. And uh, I guess other than that, we've got a whole bunch of BFLs and MajorLeagueFishing.com continues to be a good place to be. Alrighty, and now we are joined by Connor Cunningham, our 2022 uh, BFL All-American champion. Um, Connor, thanks for coming on. I know it was a while ago when you won the All-American. Has it worn off yet? <laughs> I still don't even think it's really set in fully yet. That was an awesome experience, and I, and to be honest with you, I don't think it'll ever fully hit me that that went down like that. So, uh, no, no, it hasn't really worn off yet to answer your question. Yeah, so we, the All-American was back at the beginning of June, and um, for whatever reason, you and I, we never got on the phone to to make it ha- to make a, a podcast interview happen, and really, it's my fault, because, like, I was working too much and fishing too much, um, but... I'm really glad to have you on now. I guess before we dive into the fishing, because I really do want to talk about it, because it was a pretty cool tournament. I don't even think you needed to weigh in on the final day. Um, what what do you do for a living? Like, how did you kind of how did you kind of get into this? Turn- how did you make it to the All American? Because you haven't fished BFLs for that long, but you know, from talking with Jeremy Lawyer, it's not like you're new to tournament fishing or anything like that. Yeah, I, I've been fishing pretty much my whole life, and it's been something I've wanted to do for basically my whole entire life. And uh, I fished a lot of buddy tournaments around the, the south, uh, southwest Missouri area and, and surrounding, and uh, fished some other individual circuits. Just never really uh, decided that I was really ready for a BFL till uh, two years ago, I guess that is now. And, uh, yeah, hopped in the BFL. Uh, made it to the regional, which was on Norfolk and Arkansas here. Uh, I've got a little bit of experience there, so I was really excited about that. And I think just knowing that the regional was, was going to be close to home was a big deciding factor in hopping in the BFLs and ended up getting second in that tournament and uh, making the All-American. And, like, did you, this year you're fishing them again. Um and I guess you're going to make the regional. You're pretty on track, assuming you fish a super tournament, right? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I'm 19th or so in the points, and uh, hopefully I don't drop the ball here in two weeks at Lake of the Ozarks and can give myself another chance to make it back to that tournament. Okay. What, uh, I guess, when you, who got you started in fishing? Did you fish with your dad growing up? Did you fish with, you know, somebody else? Like, I know that part of the country has a pretty solid, bass tournament culture no doubt if you uh look in any direction around here you can look you can find someone to look up to as far as uh fishermen go uh but basically what got me started uh i fished my first tournament at age five with my dad 
And uh, my uncle was someone I kind of always uh, looked up to as a little kid, and he fished tournaments, and I pretty much thought he walked on water anyway. So uh, once a year, I'd get to fish a tournament with him, so age 6 through 10, I believe. And then there was actually a really cool circuit back then around here uh, that had a kids' division. So my dad and I fished, uh, I think there's three or four of those a year until I got old enough to start fishing some buddy tournaments. So I pretty much, uh, since age 5, uh, had a chance to fish a tournament somewhere someplace so that's pretty much what got me into it and like i said like you said i guess there's a bass fishing's a, a big deal down here so yeah you say your your uncle was someone you looked up to a lot was he like rick clone or something because i know that's a possibility in that part of the country <laughs> or do yeah, i not no. know his name <laughs> no you you probably don't he fished a lot of a lot of regional stuff here uh, I don't think he fished the uh, BFLs, or it might have even been Redman uh, tournaments back then. I don't think he ever got into those. He fished a bunch of uh, team tournaments here and, and some individual stuff and had some success here on a on a local level. Just never really, uh, I guess, had the desire to take it any higher than that. Okay. Well, I mean, that's not a, that's not any kind of bad thing. Like, it's uh, it can be a lot more uh, financially easy to fish around the house. And it can also be like a whole lot of fun because you know a bass is a bass. Uh, That's so right. I, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yep. The uh, the All American second place had thirty two nine, and I'm pretty sure you had thirty two nine after day two. I guess I need to like triple check that. Yeah, you had thirty two ten. You you literally could have not gone fishing the final day. Um, did you know that was going to happen going into the tournament? Like, were, did you feel like you were on them that good? No, I really didn't. So I, I did I did some research before I came down to Lake Hamilton. I even came down the time uh, or two before the before the cutoff just to look around. I, I'd heard how uh, it's a great brush pile fishing lake and the tournament's going to be one deep and, and all that. So I spent both my, you know, pre- cutoff trips looking for brush piles I, I think i literally found every single one of them in the entire lake so uh during the official practice day i just ran around and fished all of it i guess it was optional practice day i'm sorry uh, yeah there's like the two it's like two half days basically right yeah it's, it's i guess it's not like a normal tournament they just give you a uh, optional practice day which you can be out all day and then they give you a uh you know, official practice day where, you, where you're able to take out your co-angler, get to know them, fish a little bit, and and all that. So uh, during the optional practice day, I just ran around and fished all the brush piles and offshore structure that I found and actually had a pretty decent time fishing that stuff, uh, just not the size that I found on the official practice day. So uh, I got to give a shout-out to all three of my co-anglers I fished with, and they, they were all awesome guys. I had a great time fishing with all three of them. But my, uh, my guy the first day was, you know, it was really super hot out. He kind of knew what he was going to do. I thought I was going to be fishing offshore. So I was like, let's just, I, I love fishing that top water and that style of fishing. And, you know, you always want to fish your strength. So it was kind of my plan to give that a shot for half a day on the official practice day and to see what happens. And that's when I kind of knew that I, I, I might have a chance. It was pretty pretty quick as far as figuring out that they were going to bite that thing and where they're positioning themselves at and and of course the quality that was biting that bait and 
you know, I was I was given some advice way before the tournament that uh, if it's your time to win, uh, there's nothing you can do to stop it. And I feel like uh, that was exactly what what ended up happening. I, I just don't think there's anything I could do wrong, and and no one else picked up on that pattern because honestly, that pattern was not supposed to work um, first week of June in Arkansas like that, especially if the lake's not not high or anything like Lake Hamilton stays constant. So. Uh, yeah, crazy deal, and just uh, I'm I'm really lucky that I got that uh, official practice day where we were kind of both just kind of trying to save our energy for the tournament and have have the opportunity to go try a crazy pattern like that and actually get to fish my strength. Yeah, I I remember um, when we had the Forestwood Cup there that Thrift won. I think it was day one. LeBrun was in second, and he was throwing a plopper, and. I got instant flashbacks to that because I think he caught like three pounds the second day. And I was like, oh my God, this is intense. But also, maybe this could really dissolve. What was... Obviously, like, throwing a topwater in the shallow, throwing a plopper. Like, it's. I feel like that's a strength for a lot of folks around the Ozarks. What was your pattern? Like, what did you have dialed in? Obviously, more than anyone else. But even to keep you going in that tournament? Because you were consistent, and that seems hard to do. Yeah, I think to answer your question, I just uh, I saw how many fish were up shallow, so it kept my confidence up. And anyone that knows me from around this area knows that I, I love throwing that bait, and I have a ton of confidence in it. So at the All-American, it's not a points deal, you know, uh, you got you got to shoot for the win, and I I knew if I could just get five bites a day, it would probably probably be over, and I, and that's really all of all about I caught, you know, five to seven uh, keepers a day. Uh, they were good fish. I could see them everywhere on the bank. I knew they were there. The only fear I had was on Saturday with the uh, with boat traffic. You know that lake. Uh, whenever the waves roll in on the bank, it can mud it out really bad, and that was my fear. So. I believe it was the second day I went out in the afternoon. After I caught a limit pretty quick, actually, and then we went out deep fishing trying to uh, upgrade out deep. And then uh, I hit the bank later in the day and caught a five-pounder, so I knew that I'd probably be uh, in good shape to, to throw the thing all day and stick with it. But I think it's funny you mentioned uh, Nick LeBrun. I remember uh, studying for this tournament. I saw the same video that, uh, that you saw, and then I also saw a picture of uh, – Jeremy Law, you're holding up a whopper flopper, and uh, I mentioned people I look up to. He's one of them, and I knew that uh, if he was holding that up in the picture, they would they would probably bite it on the lake. So uh, <laughs> all those factors wrapped into some major confidence in that bait. Did I expect it to work like that? Uh, no, <laughs> not really. But seeing all those fish up shallow and getting the bites I was getting, not trying to fish for anything other than first, I knew I had to just stick with it till it was uh, gonna work. So. Did you catch 100% of the fish you weighed in on the plopper, or did you, like, I know you fished out deep a little bit, like, here and there in the tournament, like, to catch one for your co-angler or something. Did you ever get lucky on something else? Yeah, I actually, uh, I actually culled on the second day before I went back up shallow, like I mentioned before. I actually culled one uh, on a 6XD, just a striking, you know, 6XD deep crankbait. I found a pretty awesome-looking rock pile, and in practice, I threw on it one time and caught a caught a keeper, and I could see several with it on the live scope when I was reeling it in. So I uh, 
I, we went out there trying to get him some fish, and I ended up catching a, a pretty decent one that helped on uh, day two. Uh, but you catch lots of keepers like that. It just seemed like all the quality was, was up on the bank for me. So we'll say 99% of what I caught was was on the uh, top water. Nice. That's a... Uh... That's an awesome way to win a tournament, man. Especially multi-day, you know, like, you're not, I'm not saying it's not what you're supposed to do, because it's that part of the country where I feel like a topwater plays a lot, but, like, that was, that was really, really cool. Um, it was awesome, and I think that's what really, really helped me with uh, my nerves, you know. I've, I've never made $100,000 in, in a year, let alone in one weekend, so, um, I was very nervous, but I knew that uh, if I was fishing for that much money and, uh, you know, to keep my nerves down, that that was the pattern I would choose if I had it my way to be able to calm down, just go cover water, and, and try to catch five of them. So uh, it's probably my favorite pattern in the world. And, man, like I said, that really helped with the nerves, being able to catch them on that bait. Yeah, that's a uh... – I, I guess, you know, ploppers, you have a pretty good land ratio a lot of times because you're using – pretty heavy tackle and stuff like that but that's a it seems like the opposite it seems like the best pattern for nerves would be to like you know throw a drop shot or something on a school of fish and not not be like oh i need to get six bites today (laughs) right but man that's cool it's in your comfort zone yeah see that that's the thing i'm too i'm too anxious with a drop shot or a slow moving bait i'd be It'd never get down to the fish. I'd be moving it too quick if I was under that kind of pressure. So being able to fish a, you know, a topwater bait like that and really move it along and stay stay moving and keep your mind off of it, that was a, that was a huge key of being able to calm down by throwing that thing. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, for sure. Do you do anything special with a plopper? You know, like what's from your from your rod reel line all the way to the bait are you all stock do you have like little tweaks that you think help you be better than the average guy you know i don't i think in my own mind i think i have the best setup and system for it so from the rod to the reel to the line i use a either seven three to one reel or even an eight to one sometimes if i if i'm not worried about moving it too fast so late fall and all that i'll go to the seven or maybe a six to one gear ratio uh, but so that covers the real side of it. I always use 65 pound braided line because my line's above the water. I don't think it matters. And I think having no stretch, uh, really helps land those fish. And then just to keep their head above water, once you hook them where they can't really fight and just horse them in basically. But to be able to do that, you got to have the right hook. So the hooks that come on the ploppers are great and all. Uh, I do like to upsize them and I like a round bin. I think they come with the EWG style treble hook now that, um, you know, sometimes they swat at that bait, and I feel like your chance of catching them with the EWG is a lot more slim than if you use a round bin. I feel like that'll that'll stick them sometimes that, you know, the EWG won't. And then the, the rod's a crucial thing, too. So I use a 7.3 seven or 7.6 heavy action rod. And when I say heavy, it's more probably towards a medium heavy. They're not going to – It's it's not – something stiff enough that you could flip with per se but it's got a little tip action where you can still throw the bait accurately and then like i said i'm using 65 pound braid and some heavy hooks so you do want a little bit of tip so you're not just completely ripping the bait uh, 
away from the fish or or out of the fish probably if you start pulling on them real hard so i'd say it's got a moderate bend to it like i said that helps with fighting the fish and then also being able to cast it accurately if you're throwing it with a broom handle style rod you're going to splash the bait a lot more and not be able to throw it as accurately okay what hooks do you use you said uh you said around a big round bend is it a specific one or have you used a few yeah it's a yeah, it's actually a, um, it's actually just a round bend gamagatsu. Uh, I'm really weird about baits uh, as far as colors and things go. So if I'm throwing a black one, I use the, a, a uh, you know, the black nickel gamagatsu round bend. If I'm throwing a bone color, I throw the nickel, uh, you know, in color uh, round bend hooks on the uh, 110 size plopper and the 110 size uh, chopo. I use a size one. Uh, on both ends of the bait and then on the 130 size and 120 choplo i will use a a, a one-aught or a, you know a, a one sometimes on the back i don't think that really affects the way the bait sounds or anything i just uh i just like that style hook and i like the size of it like i said if one swats at it sometimes you catch them you know outside the mouth uh just on the outside of the face, whatever, and I think that round bend really helps, especially with the gabagatsu. Those things are super sharp and they're super strong to be able to withstand that, uh, you know, that braided line and heavy rod and all. So I got a lot of confidence in those hooks. Yeah, no doubt. Are you like when you are you kind of a hook setter with it? Like, do you swing into them when they bite, or are you more like you just kind of start reeling faster? Like, what's your what's your reaction when one hits that thing you know i it, it's kind of weird i really don't know i kind of black out for a second it seems <laughs> like when they buy that day it's but perfect i will tell you I don't, I don't think it's a wise idea to just rear down and, and jack them like you would flipping or something like that but i i do know sometimes whenever i do miss one the bait tends to kind of fly by my head at a pretty quick rate so I think probably, probably more of a hook. quick pull, a sweep, you know, kind of deal would be would be uh, an ample hook set for that bait because you know there's there's no stretch in the line and and you're using a big rod that you know takes out a lot of slack. So I do think you need to set the hook, but I don't think you need to just straight up try to jerk them out of the water by any means. So yeah, I I hear you. Talk to me about the differences between the between the the sizes and and the baits because. You mentioned the Chapo, and, like, it does seem to be a really good option. You know, it's got a little bit different sound, I guess, than the Plopper does, but it seems like a really good bait. What's your, when do you use what, when do you use what size, that sort of thing? Yeah, so I apologize to anyone listening to this podcast, because I'm about to go off about this bait and give you way more information than you'll ever need. About oh, they're here it, for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well. All right, so here's here's the deal with the uh, with the plopper versus chopo, and this is all my opinion, and I think it's worked for me a little bit here regionally too. So, if you want a bait that really plops, you know, if you've got a cloudy, windy, grainy, nasty day, I always reach for the chopo, unless you have an old whopper plopper that actually worked good and plopped, sounded, you know, had a good sound to it. Uh, those are getting harder and harder to find, and uh, with the new ones. You know, they don't make a lot of noise. There is still a really big place for that, like at, at Lake Hamilton. You know, it's a, it's a clear, clear lake. Uh, for example, during the All-American, there's hardly any wind. 
it was, it, you know, it was a Thursday, Friday event the first two days. There wasn't much boat traffic. So no need for that really loud, you know, chopo, basically. So that's when I reach for a whopper plopper. Uh, and then, like I said, if it's a rainy, nasty day, the chopo, you know, you buy it right from the store. You can take it out of the package. They're all super consistent. They all make a really, really good plopping noise. And I'd say 90% of the time, that's what I'm looking for when I'm reaching for a topwater bait. Because, you know, usually if it's a slick, sunny day, you're probably not throwing a topwater anyway. Uh, other than that, you know, the one, I think it's a Chapo 100 and then, a, a you know, a plopper 110. Um, I like to reach for those whenever it's a, a lake, you know, that doesn't really have a, a, just a huge population of, you know, big, big fish or, you know, it's the slick conditions. I, I will definitely go for that. I, I love that size bait. Now the 130, uh, you know, if you got, if you got the right conditions for it, you got a lot of bigger fish, you're trying to upgrade. That's when that bait gets the nod for sure. But you got to pay attention to the sound of them. Like I said, the old whopper floppers, everyone doesn't like to talk about it, but they still, everyone's looking for them on eBay and, and tackle shops, trying to look at the back of the peg to make sure there's not one hiding back there. Uh, it's always a good tip for finding one, but it's all about the sound. And basically, if you have the conditions for a top water bait, that choppa with that loud sound, is the way to go and if you if you're needing something more subtle the new you know the newer age whopper floppers that don't make that much noise are going to be in my opinion the most conducive uh, bait for this that particular scenario okay so you were using the plopper not because it's necessarily your favorite and the one because you really felt it fit that situation you were throwing the 110 which is a little bit smaller and then you know you were throwing the more silent bait that's that's interesting Yep, like I, like I said, there wasn't much wind. The water's very clear on that lake, and uh, that one is just what you know, just what I thought the doctor ordered. And then the uh, after I'd catch five, if if we got tired of deep fishing, I was going to go shallow. I picked up the one thirty, and I actually upgraded uh, the second day, and then the last day with that bait, kind of late in the day, just that bigger profile, going for a bigger bite, and uh, I did catch a five pounder on it the second day, so. Who knows what would have happened if I would have thrown that bait all day. I just felt like uh, deep down that that, that 110 size was uh, what the, what was going to fit that lake. You know, it's, I did catch, a, I think, a 611 on it the first day. But generally, uh, you know, that bigger size is what catches the bigger fish. You just run the risk of not catching five of them. So I wanted to make sure I caught five, so I went with the 110. So Lake of the Ozarks pretty good odds you're throwing like a 130 or so because you're dealing with just larger fish in general you think yep. and then no Hamilton. doubt okay there's, uh, a, there's a ton of fish in uh in lake of the ozarks and you know you do there's a lot of four and five pounders i feel like so i always throw the 130 if it gets really slick and calm i've gone for a 110 but i've never really caught a big one on it there i always go for the 130 on that particular lake okay do you ever mess around with the small size ploppers because you know the 90 and you know, I guess they make even smaller ones. I don't think I've thrown those, but like, I know guys have caught, have done really well in spotted bass lakes sometimes with the small ones, like on Smith Lake or Norman. Like, do you ever throw those at all? You know, I, I've played with them a little bit. It seems like that 90 size is really, really good for schooling fish. So like, if you're out in the middle of the lake, you got a, you know, some water depth, you know, that, I think it's just the profile of that 90 size really is effective on, on schooling fish, where if you throw the 130 out there, 
Uh, I, I don't know if you're going to, if that's going to be the most effective bait, but uh, to be honest with you, I haven't gone out and thrown it a whole lot. I do think that 75 size with the fatter profile is kind of interesting. I just haven't had time to play with it just yet. But, uh, but yeah, 99% of the time I'm going for a 110 or 130 size. Okay. Yeah, that, I mean, it makes sense. Like you one, you got a confidence bait and you go with it. And two, those are pretty well proven baits. I mean, ob- they, it's obvious they work. Uh, um, what about colors? You know, you threw, you were throwing a bone one. Do you just throw either bone or black? Like, is that a hundred percent it? Or do you mix stuff up? You know, I've got about every single color that there is, but, uh, you know, like you said, just keep, just keep it simple with bone or black, uh, to differentiate, I guess, between the colors on when I would throw one or the other. It seems like that black color works really, really good around, you know, the fall time, whenever they're, they're probably more so keen on shad and things like that. Uh, the bone color, you know, it, it works anytime, but I feel like if it's a bluegill related bite, if the fisher, you know, like Lake Hamilton, you know, keen on bluegill and the post spawn, things of that nature, or if you have a, a nasty cloudy day, I have a ton of confidence in that bone color. Uh, but I think you just need to look at what they're what they're feeding on uh, for that particular day, whether it be bluegill or shad or what other forage you have in the lake, and kind of match it. I feel like that bluegill just matches a bluegill really, really well. Whereas uh, if a fish is looking up against you know the sky or whatever with that black color, I feel like that's more uh, shaddy looking, especially if you're throwing a, uh, a river sea wherever it's uh, you know the whopper flopper with the loon color. I think that really looks like more of a shad than what you would generally think just thinking about a, a black and color bait like that so yeah just just looking at the forward just whenever i try to uh make my decision on what color to throw but yes to answer your question uh, i mess around with a clear color one sometimes uh but 99 percent of the time it's, it's just bone or black that's all you need okay that i mean that makes sense i feel like those two are really solid and you know it's I guess maybe you have some situations where you might be dealing with like an interesting water clarity or like some sort of non-standard bait, but it seems like the clear colors might be more of a northern thing or like a smallmouth thing if you're like trying to deal with perch or some other, like something that's not a shad, basically. No doubt. I've always reached for the clear one whenever it's just the right condition, super clear water, not much wind, you know, when I'm really trying to force feed them that bait. I feel like that looks good. Uh, a color I do want to start messing with more is more of a yellow. Uh, the bait company that I'm sponsored by, we just came out with a frog. We came out with an awesome-looking school bus yellow color, and I think it's really going to crush them. So once we, we came out with that, I was like, man, I need to get a get a Chapo painted this color and try it out and see what happens. So uh, that's on my list of things to try. But, but yeah, bone and black, hard to beat. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No doubt about it. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I've kind of, if there's anything else to talk about on the plot. Oh, I know. How about retrieves? How were you, what was your retrieve speed like? Did you ever vary it at Hamilton? And then what about just in general? Yeah, I, I actually did it in that tournament. I actually went for, I, I try to dictate the uh, retrieve speed by the reel I'm using. So, 
that at that tournament the fish were super shallow they were really active they were you'd see them running bait up on the bank uh and i think they were just guarding fry so any bluegill that swam by any bait fish you'd see them chasing it so i felt like that faster retrieve was going to make them react better now you mentioned lake of the ozarks uh you know october november it's a really big deal there that style bait is and i feel like burning it sometimes when the water's cooling off might not be the most conducive retrieve for the deal so that's when as i mentioned before i'll go to the six three to one or a, a seven seven three to one uh, style reel to kind of slow it down a little bit as far as stopping or you know stopping and going the bait or or any kind of crazy retrieve i always just keep it moving at a steady rate i think the sound of it and just the wake the bait throws is what triggers them anyway so i can't really tell you a particular instance when i stopped the bait and then started reeling it where i've got one to to trigger versus just making repeated casts over the fish with a a slower or a faster retrieve. I kind of just always bounce between that depending on uh, water temperature and the mood of the fish, really. Okay. I mean, it, uh, it's definitely working for sure. Um, what about, like, what, at, uh, at Hamilton, what what were you targeting with it? Were you just going down anywhere on the bank? Did you have key stretches? Was there, was there sort of a pattern within the pattern of, like, hey, I, I need – a bank with some good overhanging trees or I want a seawall or was it like I got this area and they really live here and I'm just going to fish everything there yeah so I I did have it narrowed down to an area which was pretty much the entire lower end of the lake the lake's not a very big lake so uh, it wasn't that hard to cover most of it you could pretty much do that in a day if you're moving at the right speed as far as banks and everything uh, my best stretch a bank i have no idea why the fish were there I'd, I'd look at it on my lake master mapping on the hummingbird and try to find other stuff like it i couldn't replicate it so that just told me that it was just a covering water deal just you know basically keep your bait wet so my best my best stretch was just a flat gravelly nothing bank and there was fish just all over it but hmm. as far as like after i got done uh, thrashing that bank uh, I would just I would just kind of try to stay close to the main lake. I never really caught anything out of the back of a pocket, so I'd fish fish around a point about halfway down the bank and then hop over to the other side and and take off. It just seemed like it was more of a a main lake centered bite than you know being back in a pocket. So once I figured that out, I could keep my bait in effective areas and and you know run run that as the pattern versus you know trying to target banks that had. Uh, what what rocks in the lake that's a big deal where i'm from is targeting big rocks like that but uh, i catch a few fish there but it seemed like most of the bigger fish were on the flatter uh, you know flatter style uh, main lake oriented banks and you just had to run a ton of it to get your five to five to seven bites a day did docks matter at all or were you kind of staying away from docks what was that situation uh, like yeah, I actually, now that you say that, I don't really consider that much, but I did catch a few fish behind the docks. Uh, they had to be in the right area, you know, on the main lake, and I think I caught two fish that I weighed in kind of just throwing behind the dock as I would go around it and things of that nature. But as far as picking out a row of docks and going and throwing behind it, I was trying to I was trying to move way too fast to be having to go around docks. So I was trying to pick out stretches of the bank where I could, you are almost know, staying away from tied to the bank and, and yeah, for sure. But one of my best stretches uh, was 
you know, it had it had a few docks. You'd have about 50 yards in between them. So uh, I caught, yeah, I think two of the fish I weighed in off, off of that stretch, one on the first day, one on the last day. Hmm. That's so, uh, They were definitely cool. relating to them a little. Yeah. It seems like, you know, that time of year, you consider just what the situation of the lake is. Like, it doesn't – a fish has got to live around some of those docks. Like, they can't not. But you obviously had, like – there were other guys who I feel like just fish docks and you beat all of them. So it wasn't like docks were the only pattern to go, to go on. <laughs> right. Oh, for sure. I think those fish just, uh, like, like I mentioned, you know, on a flat, nothing looking bank. I have no idea why they were there. I still don't have any idea why those fish were there, uh, but they were. And I think maybe the only answer I can give myself is, uh, you know, they were, they're just unharassed. No one thought to look for them there. And, uh, just by covering water is really the only way that I, I was able to come across them. And that lake gets a ton of pressure. Like I said, it's not really a big lake by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, just those fish just being left alone, I think, is what was the difference maker for sure. It definitely seemed like you were fishing on a different lake than everyone else in the tournament. And that's rare that that happens. But, man, it's cool when it does. That was That was an awesome win to watch for sure. Thank you. Yeah, that was a, I guess if there's ever a tournament to have that kind of success in, it would be that one. And man, what a deal. That was an awesome tournament. Yeah, 120,000 in th- for three days of fishing is, I mean, man, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good payout right there. I know the tax man takes some of that, but like, it's hard to, hard to beat that return on, <laughs> you know, three days of work. No doubt, and uh, my hats off to Major League Fishing for providing uh, an avenue, I guess, for a uh, you know a grassroots guy like myself to hop in, hop in a BFL and fish four or five of them to make it to a regional. Um, I end up getting second in the regional. That paid very, very well. I was ecstatic to win, you know, ten grand, and then for them to provide a, an avenue for a guy to go win a hundred and twenty thousand uh, dollars on a no entry fee tournament. Uh, my hat's off to him, and I owe him for that. That's that's awesome, and uh, like I said, uh, to provide an avenue like that is something special. My hat's off to him. Yeah, you get another big chance here uh, coming up at the beginning of November because you're, you're qualified for the Toyota Series Championship. That, you know, actually pays even better than the All-American. Uh, have Have you been to Gunnersville? Are you going to go out and pre-practice? Like, what's... What's what are kind of your thoughts on on that? Yeah, so I'm gonna try to go pre-practice to answer your question. Uh, but yeah, that's a that's a tremendous amount of money, two hundred thirty-five thousand, I believe, is what it is. Uh, and once again, uh, you know, no entry fee Toyota Championship on Lake Gunnersville. Uh, that's a you know world-renowned fishery. So just to get to go fish there is uh, gonna be gonna be an awesome opportunity. Uh, let alone to fish for that kind of money but i've never been there i have fished uh, a few of the you know tva lakes and i'm looking forward to it especially uh i haven't really started researching it heavily but what i've uh, seen so far i I like uh, what i've seen as far as what the fish do in november and i'm definitely looking forward to that so i can't wait to get there sounds sounds good what what are your plans going forward? I, I, I re- reading in the, uh, you know, like the tournament wrap-up story, you know, they said you're thinking about fishing the Toyota Series next year. Obviously, 
I feel like, you know, sort of the bass fishing landscape is seemingly always in flux, but what do you want the, uh, do you, do you want to have a career from the front of the boat? Do you like, you know, you said you were a beverage distributor, I think, like, do you want to keep doing that for the rest of your life? What, what do, what do you want the next five or 10 years to look like? What do you think it could look like? Uh, the next five or 10 years, uh, if I had it my way, it would be fishing for sure. Uh, like I said before, I, I can't really tell you when I decided I, I would like to be a professional fisherman. I mean, I, I pretty much fished my whole entire life, and it's always been a dream. So if I had it my way, I'd, I'd hop right to the BPT next year if they if they had allowed me. Uh, not sure what would happen, but I, I'd love the chance to, to you know move up the ranks uh, in the fishing world and uh and see what i could see just see what i could do uh but yes it's been been a dream of mine to fish professionally forever so uh whether it's fishing the toyotas or if i get a berth into the into the pro circuit next year or whatever happens i'll i'll take whatever opportunity i can get because there's there's no doubt uh you know being a beverage distributor and working in this uh, industry is great and all but uh, it's just been a dream of mine for so long to fish professionally that there's no way I'm passing up that whatever opportunity that, that I'm given. So I'm ready for whatever and I'll go do my best and see if I, if I can make something out of it. Because like I said, five times now, it's, it's been a dream of mine since probably before I can even really remember. So if that answers your question. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does. It sounds like, you know, as long as, I guess, as long as you can finagle the time off, which it sounds like you probably can, or you can, you know, find find new work that'll let you have more time off it sounds like you're gonna you're gonna take a swing at it which is uh which is yeah, cool no doubt yep uh my boss uh we had that conversation pretty much the monday after the whole american of where my mind was at with that and uh, of course I, I like my job and i like what i do and i'd like to keep that but uh you know it's it's a you know once in a lifetime opportunity to take a swing at it like this most likely and I'm not passing that up, and they've been gracious enough to give me their word that they're going to work with me on that and give me the the time off uh, to go pursue the dream. And uh, whether it lasts one year or ten years, twenty years, whatever, um, I think I think they'll work with me on that, and I'm uh, I'm grateful to uh, work for a company that's going to allow me to do that. Cool. I think it's. I mean, I haven't watched you fish in person. I have no. I have no idea if it will work out. But, you know, when Jeremy Lawyer is like, oh, yeah, this guy's really smart. He's good at this. And that, like, that's interesting right off the bat. And then if you just look at the number of really good anglers the Ozarks kick out, I mean, man, you're set up to where it certainly seems like you could have a future in it. You know, you're you're doing very well at the local level. You won the All-American. I mean, that that's a lot right there. That's a that's a really good kickstart. Yeah, so for one, thanks for the compliment and to hear a compliment like that from Mr. Lawyer. I've uh, fished around him for for a long time around here. I guess never really fished against him, uh, but I, I've definitely looked up to that guy for a long time. So to hear that from his vote of confidence, that's that's huge for me. And uh, yeah, there's there's gonna be some challenges, I'm sure. You know, here in uh, Southwest Missouri, we don't have a whole lot of grass. So that's something I'm. I'm kind of uh, a little bit concerned about, but I do know that it's a, uh, you know, it's a shallow fishing game. If I had it my way, I'd fish every tournament like that. So 
hopefully that's something I can pick up on. But, you know, in this area, we've got a lot of different, you know, versatile style uh, lakes, you know, with different styles of fishing. So uh, growing up here, I think, you know, with the exception of grass, I feel like this area kind of uh, prepares you for a lot of different scenarios more than, I guess, someone might just generally think about, you know, Southern Missouri as far as uh, learning to be versatile and things of that nature. Yeah, no, no doubt. This is also kind of a side note, but have you ever fished, uh, I think we've got a Toyota series coming up on Truman uh, next week. Have you ever been there? Yeah. Like, do you, do you want to give me a preview of that? Cause I have no idea what to expect. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. So I've, I've fished there a little bit out of all the uh, area lakes. That's probably the one I've been on the least. It's it's probably a little bit furthest away, I would say, okay. from where I live here in Springfield. And, you know, it's, it's not really that popular of a lake uh, as far as, you know, fish catching goes. You know, you got Lake of the Ozarks right below it, which is an absolute fish factory. So I'd say it gets a lot of the attention. Uh, now, Truman... Uh, it can be it can be pretty stingy. There's trees everywhere in the lake, so uh, there's a little bit of I guess dangerousness to it, if you will, as far as getting around. Not so I don't think a lot of people go there to fun fish, such as myself. Uh, now the times that I've been there, I actually really really like the lake. I think my fishing style really fits that lake, as far as you know. In the summertime, tournaments get one deep there, but I feel like a lot of it's shallow fishing, power fishing, things of that nature. You're probably not going to drive down the lake and see a guy uh, staring at a live scope with a spinning rod in his hand. So I, I really like that aspect of it. Uh, but, you know, I last year was my first year fishing the BFL. That was, I believe, the last regular season event. I was really nervous about it. Went there, spent some time, and ended up getting second place in that tournament by like two ounces. So uh, that was the first big tournament I fished there. So. I, I can't say I, I don't anything but love that lake just because it's, it's a tougher fishery and it doesn't generally take a huge weight to win. Uh, now, as far as the prediction for uh, next week for the Toyota, I think there's a lot of fish still in a uh, summer pattern there, you know, the 8 to 10 foot range maybe. Uh, but I do feel like those fish are going to be on the move. It's starting to cool down. The nights are getting cooler here uh, in Missouri. So, um if, if it were me, I'm not actually fishing the event, but I, I would like to see it one shallow. And I feel like there's going to be a lot of fish in transition uh, moving shallow. And and by shallow on that lake, it could be as deep as six inches. So uh, that's always exciting to see. And quite honestly, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, looking at your guys' coverage on the tournament and seeing how uh, the guys that finished in the top 10 broke the lake down just to see what they come up with. So aside from my opinion, I'm I'm, I'm excited to see what it takes to win that tournament. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually kind of looking forward to it, too, because, you know, we've gone there for a bunch of BFLs, but we, a, a BFL, unless you're there, and even if you're not there, you, even, even if you are there sometimes, you don't necessarily get the same amount of information about the lake as you can when you put a big tournament on it, you roll out a bunch of photo galleries, you have three days to let stuff develop, like, I'm I, I like going play, new places a lot, and you know for me Truman counts as new just because I've never I don't even think I've ever seen the lake before, uh, so I'm looking yep. forward to what the guys what the guys dig up and to see who wins for sure. Yep, you're exactly right. It's it's always exciting to see that, um, and like you said, uh, 
I'll give it to you guys. You guys do a really, really good job of covering these events, and uh, that's something that, that helped me out at Lake Hamilton for sure, seeing Nick LeBrun throwing the plopper around and seeing uh, Jeremy Lawyer holding up that whopper plopper. I knew that I probably needed to pack those with me. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't even brought them. So, uh, I, I, I bet you, I, talking to you, I bet you would have brought them. Well, oh I, yeah, of course I would have, <laughs> but I, I might not have thrown it during the optional or during that final practice day for sure with having that confidence. So, so thanks for that. All right. Well, uh, Connor, I really appreciate it. I appreciate the time you spent on this. Do you have anything that you want to plug? I, I don't know if you've got a ton of social media or not, but you know, basically if, uh, if you got anything to promote, this is your time. Yeah, I appreciate that. So, for one, I'd, I'd just like to thank Major League Fishing. That was an awesome opportunity with All-American, all and I have a great time fishing the BFLs around home and and possibly having the avenue to, to move on. Uh, awesome organization. I got to thank them first. Got to thank God for uh, putting me in that position. I feel like he had a big part in it, and I kind of left it with him, and, and it all worked out. Uh so beyond that, as far as uh, tackle and everything, uh, Crocagator Bait Company here in Missouri sponsors me. Uh, we just came out with a new uh, toad-style bait that fits on a buzz bait uh, that incorporates a trailer hook. It's called the X-Toad. I'd encourage everyone to give that a look. It's, it's actually extremely unique and innovative, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, Halo Rods, I uh, use all their fishing rods, uh, have good success with them, uh, love the product. Phoenix Boats. Uh, you know, they provide an awesome uh, incentive program uh, with Major League Fishing that I was able to take advantage of this year. Uh, and beyond that, I think it's probably the best boat out there. So if you're in the market for it, give them a look. And then uh, Mercury Outboards, uh, even even if it's All-American on the last day, uh, knowing I probably might have the fish to win in the live well, I, I wasn't worried about, you know, cranking that engine over and it started and being reliable to get me back. So. Uh, beyond that, uh, just thanks to everyone for listening. And thanks for the interview, Jody. All right. Well, Connor, thanks a bunch, and uh, congratulations again on the win. It was a pretty epic one. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs>